0: Hello and welcome to Geordie Happiness Hero. I am joined by Andrew Pruitt. Welcome to Geordie Happiness Hero, Andrew. I'm so excited that you agreed to come and and talk to me today. I'm very pumped about it. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> Andrew and I met doing some background work on a, on the set of a movie and working on set can be very long, very involve very long hours. It can be very tedious sometimes. And so it's always fun when you find a buddy so that you can commiserate together and raid the craft service together. That's always fun. Um, we became fast friends on set because I instantly sensed that Andrew had the positive vibes and our positive vibes meshed. And we just were instant friends. And also, I'm pretty sure we connected... <laughs> Uh, spilling the tea or whatever about the British family and like their drama or something like we had a nice big conversation about the British family drama. Oh. Oh so sad. But it was it was an interesting conversation. And all right. And some interesting things about Andrew is that he just graduated like last week, right? Or the week before. Sometime around then. Yeah. It's all it all meshes together from UNCW. So he is now a college graduate. So, congratulations, Andrew.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm excited to hear how life led you up to your college graduation and where you want to go from here and all that kind of stuff. But first, I want you to introduce yourself because you know you better than anyone else. And I want you to tell our listeners three random facts about you.
1: Um. So, hi. I'm Andrew Pruitt, uh, he, him. Um, three random facts. Let's see. I... Worked at Carowinds as an improv actor for around five years. Um, I recently graduated with a degree in marketing strategy. Um, So moving away from the acting path uh, a little bit, I'll still do a little on the side. And then yesterday I was the mascot for Food Lion. So (laughs) you never know where life will lead
0: you. Awesome. Awesome. I love every little fun fun thing you can do is going to be a story someday. So that's awesome. Oh, my quote of the day. So every episode, I like to have a quote of the day that kind of guides conversation and just something that when I was planning to have this episode spoke to me for some reason or not. And I was really surprised when I found today's quote of the day because I would have never expected this, but it totally makes sense. I stumbled across a quote that's actually song lyrics from None other than Garth Brooks. Okay, I would never expect. <laughs> I would never expect to, in one of my Pride episodes, um, to be quoting a country artist necessarily. I mean, that's maybe that's generalizing, but I was really, I don't know, moved when I read this, and I remembered being a kid and like belting these lyrics and not ever fully understanding them. But the song lyrics come from his song then we shall be free, or we shall be free. I can't remember the exact title of the song, but it says, when we're free to love anyone we choose, when this world's big enough for all different views, when we can all worship from our own kind of pew, then we shall be free. And I was like, hell yes, Garth Brooks, because this is clear back in like the very, very early 90s that he wrote this song and put it out there. And of course, it got a lot of backlash from his regular fan base and his regular community but then it got a lot of praise from other other uh other fan bases i guess and for it got like award nominations and things like that so it was it's a terrific song and i just loved the message there and it made me think of like yeah yeah garth you have it right there you have it right free to love anyone you choose um big enough for all different views. Worship from our own kind of pew. Like everything he said was so good. And I found out that the reason why he had these strong feelings about it and he felt like sharing it is because his late sister was a lesbian. And he witnessed very closely the struggle that she went through growing up, you know, in the environment and in the world that she grew up in with the judgment and with all of those things. And it just, I don't know, it was very meaningful for me. I'm like, yes, we're in the South and it's a country art, like one of the most famous country artists of all time. And clear back in like 93 or something, early, early 90s, I was a little pumpkin pie at that time. Like, you weren't even a thought probably at that time. <laughs> and these words were profound. Like, he's telling people like, hey, we all want to be free. We all want to be happy. We all want to live together peacefully. So what we got to do. We got to give people these freedoms. And so that was our guiding quote that I found for today. And I, you know, at some point would probably refer back to that whole idea, but I want to know, Andrew, dear, your origin story. More specifically, if we're getting really specific about your origin story, because I always want to know everybody's origin story. More specifically, when did you realize that you were queer? And did you have to come out? Like, did you have to announce it or something like that? And when did it happen? What was it like? Um, you grew up in the South. I want to know all of it.
1: Yeah, so I I don't have, like, a defining moment in my head like a lot of people do. Um, just being a kid, I was always myself. Um, and I tended to gravitate towards things that weren't traditionally masculine Um, I would play dress up in my mom's clothes. I would do it at school too. Like, I don't know. It's not that I wanted to be someone else, but the way I expressed myself was, I was very inspired by a lot of strong women. Um, not only the ones in my life, but like the ones I would see on TV or the ones I would listen to. Um, like an early memory for me is like. I remember watching the movie. There's a two thousand and four animated movie called Robots. And in that scene they used a Britney Spears song. Um and it was Baby One More Time. And I just remember like loving that song. And like that's one of my earliest memories of music. And it's like such a like not a weird song to be gravitated towards too, but like you could tell early on that there was the makings of this queer kid.
0: Um, um, you just about killed me a little bit when you talked about Britney Spears' remake of "Baby w- Hippie Baby One More Time being like this old song that was like your <laughs> earliest memory of music. But I love it. I love it. I want you to keep telling me everything. I mean, it was
1: 30... No, not quite 30 years ago, but it was 20 years ago, 1998, I believe. <laughs> so, close to the Garth Brooks song. Um but it yeah so that was like one of my earliest memories and then just growing up uh there was a, definitely a feeling that i was different but it wasn't like i don't know i generally got along with most people um and i was like raised in the church i was a youth pastor or not full on youth pastor but i i taught sunday school um i was at the church camps um and the church that I grew up in didn't have particularly a favorable view of um, queer people. Um, They were kind of tolerant, but they weren't supportive, I guess, Um, so it was kind of a weird place where it was like, I'm hearing no, but I I don't necessarily feel ostracized. Like even though I was clearly different, I didn't feel, like I still had a lot of church friends, I still had those people. Like, even with my parents, I don't think I ever formally came out to my mom. I think it was just kind of like, that's Andrew. And then with my dad, I recently formally came out to him. But it was, like, to me, it was just important to confirm with him, not necessarily, like, it, like, I just, he, he bought me a Christina Aguilera Christmas album on vinyl one year. Like, if that's not a telltale sign that, like, you're seeing me where I'm at you're acknowledging me like I don't know what is but it it was just very like I felt it was important to be like hey this is fully me I had to meet my boyfriend like did all that and this kind of like led me to where I am today um I don't I I know I have a very like It was definitely hard, but I do think I have a very loving, accepting family, and it's been very positive for me for the most part. So, I'm happy to see that things are changing in that direction. Uh, Definitely with, like, grandparents, it's a little bit harder. Like, I I don't acknowledge it with them necessarily, but I'm just, I think it's easier to kind of just stay out of the way, kind of. Um, just because I know that they do have deep-rooted views that don't necessarily align with mine, and they would still love me, but sometimes it's hard to hear, like, "Oh, I'm praying for you, praying that you'll change, like things like that." Like, "This is of the devil." Like, I don't want to hear that necessarily. So, I think it's just easier to not have any of those conversations. Um, but yes. I don't know. And Southern people, too. It's always a weird thing where it's like growing up in high school. I remember hearing people talk like I I think I was one of two, two queer people, maybe three in the entire high school. Since since high school, more people have come out, but like known about people in high school. Um, so it was definitely a little bit. But like for the most part, Southern people are nice to your face. And then. I heard things about me that I, I didn't know were true, but <laughs> the people um, on the talk.
0: Yeah, I think that's true in a lot of places where people act really, really nice to you, to your face. But then it's just like a completely different story when they're not in front of you, which I, I hate that. I try to teach my daughters that like, if you're not going to say it to someone while they're in the room, don't say it about them when they're not in the room. Like don't talk about people, talk to people kind of thing, you know, but I'm so glad to hear that you were comfortable enough with yourself and with your, the love of your parents and those kind of things that you could live as yourself, even in high school, because that's a powerful thing. Like I want parents to hear about that. I want, you know, queer youth to hear about that because i want them to have hope and i want parents to know that's a life-saving love that you can give to your children is just loving them not loving them despite anything just loving them and you know loving them for everything they are and for who they are well, i wish that every every queer youth could have that experience of being at, like all those kids you said that came out afterward because they weren't in a place where they could in high school, and sometimes it's a scary, dangerous, who knows what kind of situation. Uh, the, some of the kids I knew in high school that were queer and didn't come out until much later, they just never ever go back home, because I, I went to high school in a very, very small town, Idaho, like, whew, and yeah, some of those kids, and they were bullies, like some of them were straight up angry, bully, did some messed up stuff in high school, and now that I'm an adult and have some maturity, I can, like, look at it and be like, huh, they were struggling with a lot, and, like, their, you know, emotionally immature way of handling it was bullying everybody else, but it's sad. Like, I hope we get to a place in the world where we can all be free, where we can all be free to be the people that we are, you know, and not tell other people that we're praying for them to be different, because that's, we are who we are, you know? (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I just you thought
1: like... it was so condescending to be like, you know what? I'm praying for you that you change. <laughs> <No>. oh. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, so me's not enough for you, I guess.
0: Yeah, don't tell me you love me and then say that kind of stuff to me because yeah. you don't love me. You love the idea of what I could be if if I was, like, up to your snuff or something, which is not okay. But That's not okay.
1: It is important to know or to kind of recognize other people's values and kind of, I think as queer people, we oftentimes attack those values, which I think there is valid stuff behind that, but kind of just recognizing that we are different and like those words that they're saying, they hurt, but like, try to take the power out of them and, be strong in yourself because they might have a viewpoint and you can't necessarily change that viewpoint, but it's like you giving them that power and you giving them that ability to innately affect you and to hurt you isn't benefiting you in any type of way. And you lashing out on them isn't going to make them change their mind. It's not going to do anything but spread hate into the world. And so I think it is important that, like, we kind of just agree to disagree and kind of just don't, like, let the words roll off of you. Don't harbor onto them because that's a reflection of them. It's not a reflection of you.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Someone who really explains this in a really profound way is Brene Brown in her book, Uh shoot it's her book about shame and it's the book where she talks about how when people are judgmental and like talk gossip and talk bad about other people it's just a reflection of the own sh- their own shame the things that they feel bad about themselves that they're like projecting and stuff like that and i always thought that was so so true um so profound and you're right like we can't force anyone to think the way we think and we can't change anybody's views And when we try to, it's just putting bad feelings and vitriol and divisiveness into the universe, and it's much better to just be like, I love you, you know, I will good for you, but I disagree with you. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. And that's what it has to be sometimes, unfortunately. Not everyone will be fully loving and accepting of everyone, (laughs) even, like, amongst your family, amongst your friends, amongst whoever it may be, and maybe by showing those people kindness, showing them compassion despite their flaws, that will make them come around way more than getting into any type of argument, any type of disagreement. Mm -hmm. Them seeing the love you have for them is more likely to push them in the right direction than you, like, just dissing on their beliefs dissing on whatever it is because I get especially religious people where they're coming from having been raised in that environment especially in the south with the evangelicals and all the different types of beliefs down here like it's just embedded into the culture it's embedded into their religion and who am I to say like I disagree with your religion and like they have those strong beliefs, but like if I can make a difference and put more love and positivity into the world, that's what I should be doing. That's what, that's what I feel like I'm put here to do. And I feel like everyone is put here to do is to spread more positivity. And I agree.
0: I like to say that love is my religion and kindness is my religion, you know? Like, that is what I believe in, love. I believe in kindness. I believe in doing good. Those are my religion. And, yeah, don't spread hate. Don't spread divisiveness. Don't spread vitriol. Spread peace. Spread love. Spread kindness. Make the world better. Don't just add to the junk. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Okay, So we've kind of already talked about the most challenging parts of growing up as a queer youth in the South, but is there anything else you want to add that made it difficult growing up as a queer youth in the South?
1: Um, Let's see. I feel like for me personally, I'm someone who's not necessarily afraid of the people. I've felt very strongly from an early age that being myself is who I want to be. There's no one I'd rather be but myself um but i have noticed when meeting other people in the queer community um that they haven't always had that same self-worth or self-confidence and growing up in the south has really stripped them of that they're not their ideal person who they want to be is like everyone else and so it it kind of not for everyone, but for some people it definitely builds a lot of internalized homophobia that I have definitely seen um, within a lot of other people. And that can be really hard to deal with because even within your own community, you are kind of dealing with, well, I do not really like this person because they are too feminine or I do not really like this person because of this, that, or the other. And it is them internalizing their own insecurities and their own fears about themselves. And projecting them, it onto other people. Um, and so that does happen frequently around here. And I, I don't know. I've taken it upon myself, especially when, I don't know. I don't view myself as some elder or anything. But I think that especially when meeting people who being their true authentic self is newer to them. I think that having someone to kind of help them talk it out and work through them and, like, figure out who they really are has been really helpful for some people that I've encountered in my life.
0: It's always helpful to have somebody who's like-minded or somebody who's, you know, experienced to talk through things with. And I, the reason I chose you for this particular part of my Pride series for June, was because you are younger. You're, I, I still think you're just a baby, but <laughs> a grown baby who's graduated from college. But I wanted to get a perspective of somebody who is young. I wanted to get a perspective. What was high school like? What was college like for you um, in this day and age? Being queer, and I love that you had a community and that you had a support system that you felt confident enough in that you could be yourself. I want that for everybody. Um, I even toyed around with the idea of like actually talking to a high schooler, but opted against it because you get into like the legalities. And I've just offici- officially been hired by the school district here. And oh, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. I will be teaching next year high school English and yearbook, which. My favorites.
1: Those were my favorite classes in high school.
0: Woo. Hey, I would have loved to taught you. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. But I thought ooh, it would get messy trying to have a, a local high schooler on and, you know, just start dealing with some sticky stuff there. But I love that you're young enough that you can still remember all the high school stuff and you can still remember the college stuff and your experiences. Okay. What's going on in your life right now that you expected and that you didn't expect?
1: Um, for me, as a recent graduate, um, it is kind of it's entering a new chapter of life that is kind of just all around messy for better or for worse. It's all around messy. It's the trying to find a job. Where am I going to relocate to? Am I going to relocate? Like, at that point, am I moving in with my boyfriend? Am I moving in with someone random? Like, there's just so many uncertainties in this area of life. Which the uncertainties were expected. Um, what what's a little bit more challenging, I think, is trying to. Like your whole life, my whole life at least, I've kind of always known what the next step was, what the kind of answer is. Even if the answer wasn't in my possession, I knew what it was. So like I always knew. I would go to high school and then I would go to college, which is not everybody's path. But for me, that was the path that I kind of knew I was going to take. Now that I've graduated college, it's like, where is life going to lead me? And it's a whole new level of uncertainty that you can know is going to happen. But until you're there, I don't know that anyone is fully prepared for it. And kind of, like, adulting in and of itself is just kind of, like, no one, it's your first time being the age you are. Every yeah. time. Like, whether you're turning 16, it's your first time being 16, or 64, it's your first time being 64. Like, how do I it's act weird. that age? Where do I Aging go in life? Aging is weird. And it's I, like, am,
0: I am coming so close on 40. I mean, I'm 37. Am I 37? Yeah, I'm turning 38 this year. <laughs> right? I hope I'm right. I'm going yeah. <laughs> to sound real dumb if I am I'm real don't know how old I am. But I'm getting real close to 40. And I'm like, wait a minute, I am completely middle aged. How did I get here? Wait a minute. I don't know how to be middle day middle aged. Like, I don't even know how to be an adult yet. What is happening?
1: <laughs> I, one of my early childhood songs was um, Strawberry Wine by Dana Carter, which I don't know if that's Um, appropriate for young children, but I still remember when 30 was old is a lyric in that song. mm -hmm. And as I'm growing older, I'm like, huh, that's not so far away. (laughs) 40's not super close, but like time just accelerates at a rate the older you get to where it's like, I'm going to blink my eyes and I will be there. Yep. And it's like, It's not scary because I'm someone who fully embraces aging, especially in the queer community. Not a lot of people had that ability. Um, Like with the AIDS, HIV epidemic, a lot like a whole generation of queer people have been lost. And so it's. I'm very grateful that now things are changing um, and like people are having the ability to have a full and complete life. Um, but it it hasn't always been the case for people like me. So I'm very grateful. and i I, I think it's important as queer people to go back and learn queer history,
0: oh, yeah. And, and all people, I think all people would benefit them to learn queer history. I took an AIDS class in college. I am not queer. I am a fierce ally. but I took a I took an AIDS class in college just because I wanted to know all the correct information. You know, it's important
1: because it's it's not taught in high schools. It's not taught in colleges. And it's it it disproportionately affected the queer community and the government didn't do anything about it for so long. And like, imagine if I mean, not that I would wish a pandemic like a uh, covid lockdown on anyone ever again, but it was. We did something or attempted to at least and to protect the people. And back then we weren't a protected people. We were not cared about. And it's scary because now we're kind of getting into a climate where the queer community is under attack again. <laughs> so as much as we've grown as a people, I think that both, both on either side, we're getting a lot more divisive and strong and I don't like to use the word radical, but kind of radical on different viewpoints. Um, And so it's like, with, like, I think it's important to, like, learn from history, kind of not let those mistakes repeat themselves.
0: 100%. All, all facets of history. And also, you need to learn about the history of other parts of the world, too, because we have a very, I'm just going to say it, whitewashed history in in the United States. We just do. We do. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we learned about all kinds of different facets of history from all kinds of different parts of the world? Because there's so much to be learned and there's so many interesting things. All walks, lives. So I love it all. And I love learning. Like I I I could read and learn about anything and I love it, but I got to go back because you mentioned uh, ADD brain. If I, My <laughs> husband says they have ADHD. I've never been tested, but like, how could I not? But Dina Carter, you mentioned Dina Carter strawberry wine? Okay, when I was in high school, I'm old. When I was in high school, it's my 20th high school reunion this year. I'm not going Congratulations so? though. That's hot. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. but okay. I went to a Dina I went to a concert that was like Dina Carter, Keith Urban, and uh, Kenny Chesney. And when Dina Carter uh-huh. was up there performing, <laughs> She was performing strawberry wine and she had a wardrobe malfunction on stage right in front of me and her whole boob, like total, not just nip slip, like whole boob, whole boob slip. And the whole audience we all saw. Poor Gina Carter up there singing strawberry wine. We all saw her full booby.
1: Rest in peace. Well, maybe <laughs> not, but
0: <laughs> uh, it was I don't know why, but when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, Andrew, I have to tell you about this one time. <laughs>
1: That's clear history right there. <laughs>
0: She was so good about it, too. Like, she never even acted like it phased her. Like, somebody walked up, and she was like, oh, <laughs> and, like, kept playing. Like, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. The whole audience was like, I mean, in Idaho, and your boo pops out, the whole audience is like, oh, my
1: God. <laughs> I can, and things have gotten, thankfully, things have gotten a lot better in that front. Like, I think about Janet Jackson in 2004 and that whole Super Bowl debacle, it kind of, like. It tarnished her reputation for the longest amount of time, and if it happened now, I don't think we would bat an eye. Probably not. Or like, I mean, someone would be offended, obviously, but like,
0: well, right now, isn't society... it? If you go on, like, I I don't go, go on TikTok that often, but my husband and daughter are addicted. And so I hear all of the diss or all of the tea. I don't know what they, I don't know what the kids are saying these days, but isn't it like the big thing right now that Taylor Swift almost had a little wardrobe malfunction in one of her recent concerts where it got real close to showing everything (laughs) like downstairs, not upstairs.
1: (laughs) I don't know, but that might be Taylor Swift is a, is a darling in America. I feel like she's America's princess. (laughs) So I feel like that might be a scandal just because of her such clean cut image but with Poor Janet that's it was heavy be.
0: <laughs> With Taylor that's a heavy thing to carry right She's like uh, yeah. not like I planned that I didn't want to show my <laughs> JJ to everybody in the world
1: but I bet she would not own it but like she'd be like I am a strong powerful woman this is not going to phase me like I hope so
0: I hope so she'd probably like put that persona out and then inside be dying because how would you How would you know?
1: Like, I think any type of wardrobe malfunction that's happened to me, even like, not that extreme, but like, like my pants have ripped before. Like, it's embarrassing when things like that happen. And like, I like to, I like to laugh about myself. And so like, I I might laugh in the moment, but like, inside, I'm really like, oh my gosh, what just happened to me? Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah oh my goodness I'm so bad about tangents but tangents are fun what goals are you pursuing right now because I know right now graduating college is a big deal when I graduated college though I already had a baby I was married and had a baby because I got married so young and I started having kids so young and so I took my your graduation photos were fantastic by the way so fun my graduation photos, I took myself, like I set up the tripod and I set up the timer and I did them all myself, but I dressed in my cap, my robe and everything. And then I had like my husband in them with me, but I had my baby in a little bangle because We were the Idaho state university bangles. And so it was like me and my husband and then my baby in her bangle outfit like, <laughs> on my graduation announcement. So when I graduated college, I had no, I was like, wait a minute, I'm done with college. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I also already had a baby. So like I'm being a you mom are, and yeah. I'm raising a baby. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing whatever I have to do to take care of my baby. Um, yeah, it was a weird, but it's a weird situation when it gets that and you're like, wait a minute. I thought by the time I got to this point in my life, I'd done this stuff already or I'd be like successful or I, you know, this is not what I picture. I envisioned what life would be right now. So it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. And I went through that so many times, like all the big milestones I felt like I had midlife crisis crises like tw- 25 I felt like I had a midlife crisis 30 felt like I had a midlife crisis 35 midlife crisis every five years every five years at 40 it's coming it's coming I mean maybe not <laughs> I hope not
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the one where you're like you know what 41 that's the crisis just <laughs> <You'll> skip <laughs> the five years break the cycle
0: uh, I'm just gonna have a giant party I'm just going to have a giant sure. party like hells yes I'm 40 40 and fabulous Exactly that's the way to do it So my dear I what goals are you pursuing right now and then where do you see yourself in 5 years 10 years etc
1: Let's see I'm so currently trying to get a job in the marketing field which I specifically wanna be like behind the scenes marketing. Um, A lot of marketing jobs right now are in sales. So I'm trying to get that worked out. But ideally I wanna move outside of North Carolina. I've been here for pretty much my whole life. I mean, at least in between North and South Carolina. So it's like, I feel like I've lived, I've, I've lived across the state. I've lived in the mountains. I've lived in the city. I've lived in the beach. I've kind of, like, explored what North Carolina has to offer, so I feel like there's not a lot of room for growth here. Um, so I'm trying to hopefully get out of the state at some point. Um, but if not, that's that's okay, too. Not, not everything will always go according to plan. And right now, I don't have much of a plan. <laughs> I'm kind of just um, waiting to see where life takes me. I, I really want to... I want to have some sort, I need something to direct me, I think, (laughs) at the moment. Like, I I think there's just a world full of opportunity and also none at the same time right now. And so it's like, I want something to like nudge me in the right direction. I don't know what that something is going to have to be, but I'm looking for direction right now. I don't, and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to, like, I'm young. I don't need to have my whole life planned out because you know what? That plan will change every five years. I will have that crisis and I will have to figure out, okay, life didn't go how I had planned it to go. And so where do I take it now? And so I think that I'm trying right now to figure out where I am taking it.
0: (laughs) I think that's fantastic and very mature. And I feel like it One of the things I knew I was going to do when I was in high school was get out of Idaho. Like, I knew I was going to get out of Idaho. I'd grown up most of my childhood in rural Idaho, I'm a little bit in rural New Mexico. But I knew I was going to get out of Idaho. It didn't happen. I didn't get out of Idaho until I finally put my foot down. I was like 36, 37 years old. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not in staying in Idaho anymore. I want to branch out. I want to go other places, do different things. It took me 36 years before I finally was able to make that happen. So I think it's good to give yourself grace and to give yourself freedom to just take things a day at a time and not put those expectations on yourself because you're going to be so much happier that way. If you're living in the moment, if you're living in the present moment, instead of just constantly feeling like, oh, I should be doing this by now, I should be doing this, you know, I don't know. It's that whole, anxiety lives in the future, depression lives in the past thing. If you're not living in the present moment, you're going to be living in one of those other places and neither of them are very pleasant.
1: No, I think it's expectation is, I think it's good to have goals, but expectations is what leads to disappointment. So having that goal is is kind of like having an expectation, but like the expectation that it's going to be everything you ever dreamed of, that will... 99% of the time, like, let you down. Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever as glamorous, as fabulous as it seems. Well, not, that's actually a very pessimistic take, and I rescind (laughs) that. But, like, (laughs) I think it's important to be grounded in, to be optimistic, but grounded in reality. I think that sometimes people get delusional. (laughs) They get caught up in their own image of how the world works how things should be and they don't have that reality and so they have these high highs when they think things are about to go this way and these low lows when they don't reach that expectation yeah and so i think it's important to look at the glass as half full and to make the best out of whatever situation you're handed
0: yeah absolutely so what's one idea andrew about being a queer youth that you think the majority of people get wrong I think,
1: I I don't know. I think that a lot of representations of queer youth are inherently confident right now. I think that people expect queer people to just be confident to be, and that's just not the case. I think there's a lot of insecurity in being queer that might get a little bit of shine in the media but it just doesn't right now social media is portraying the best side of you and so like no one's posting or not as many people are posting the downs of it as they are like here I am here's my fabulous outfit here's how I'm living my life in a way that's inspirational and it's not facing the realities or the hard truths that a lot of queer people do
0: face. I think that's very, very insightful. Um, What needs to change, in your opinion, to make this world a safer, friendlier place for young humans, especially for young humans who are also in the queer community?
1: I think ultimately just love, I think, Because I think you can go back and forth on policy, on politics, um, because obviously I think we do need change there. But I think that those changes need to be rooted in love. I think that as long as we're thinking with how can I best love and serve my community instead of how can I put people down, how can I... (laughs) um, create an ideal society for one specific group of people and not take into account all people. Um, like just thinking about how you can love everyone, regardless of if they align with you um, and how you can take care of and serve them.
0: I really, really love that. Like, let's make a good place for all different kind of people, not just for representing one type of people. Let's let's include everybody in this like whole huge human family. Let's all act like a family and be a family or what a family could be. Right.
1: And like, I don't know. I think that it is important for me to recognize. Um, And this is something that I've always said, but like I am queer. I am a young queer individual, but at the same time I am still a white male. Um, And that's a lot of what society is kind of it's who's, built society in the way that it currently exists. Society is working for favor, or favorably for me as a white male. And so I do face some oppression being queer, but it's not to the extent as which other people experience it. So I think that my story is a good one to learn from and to kind of see, but take it for what it is. I think that not everyone I mean, no two people have the exact same experiences, but I think that mine is still one of privilege and one of um, just not reflective of everybody's queer experience.
0: Absolutely. And everybody has their own unique journey. But even in the fact that you were always who you were and you never felt like you needed to come out to your mom, like she just knew, I think that... I wish it'd be like that for every single person, but like I think that in alone is a great privilege. Um being able to just live as yourself. I think that's absolutely fabulous. I wish every kid could do that. Um, I've been brokenhearted over seeing kids over the years, students, uh, acquaintance kids that I worked in theater with, just numerous kids over the years go through depression, some of suicide, because they didn't feel seen, they didn't feel loved as they were. They didn't feel, they didn't know where their place was. They felt confused. Um, so the, it, it's hard. And yes, you have privilege as a white male, absolutely. Um, but everybody's story is unique, like you said. And and even when we all have our own unique stories, and we all have differences. I feel like there's also commonalities that bring everybody together as well. Um, and so like something in your story, something in your story is going to speak someone out there that they're going to be able to see themselves in your story and it's going to help them feel like they're not alone. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. And I, I would also like to say to any of your listeners, if you need help with anything, you can always reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I, if you need someone to listen or relate to your experience and you feel that I. Am able to, based on what you've heard today, uh, feel free to reach out to me.
0: Oh, so good. And th- wouldn't it be great if everybody could have a safe space, right? I really like, that's my main goal as a parent, as, um, you know, the parent of my daughter, their friends, they're, when their friends see me as like their friend's parent or as a teacher or as an aunt or as a anybody, you know, my main goal thing that I want to be, is like a safe place, is a somebody who's kind, somebody who's loving, somebody who's safe. If, if we could all be safe for somebody, wouldn't it be a better world? This one is maybe not such a deep insightful question, but in the queer community, who are your favorite people to follow? And like, who do you look up to?
1: Um, That's a great question. I'm like, in the queer community... I don't know. I think I have a personal love for, um, and none of these people are specifically queer, so I'm bad gay for that, but like I've always looked up to um, a lot of the like pop singers kind of of the days. So like Cher, Madonna, and not to say that these people are perfect because especially Madonna, God bless. But, um, and then, like, even, uh, well, actually, a lot of people, uh, like Brittany, um, just people like that who have kind of been themselves, those are the people I've identified with. Um, And, like, especially women have been chastised by media forever. So I kind of related to them as a queer person. Was it the same exact experience? No, but I was able to relate to them and see them in popular culture. Um, Because I I feel like growing up and it's changing now, but the people I grew up idolizing, there wasn't a lot of positive queer representation in media. There was some representation and like, maybe like a side part here or a side part there. And even, so I'll watch some of my favorite movies, like Legally Blonde or A Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff. And I'm like, that was the queer representation we were given. That was it. And it's it's interesting to see sometimes, um, like, with hindsight, because the world's changed so much. Um, now I'm very... We've been positive... Er, until recently we've been shedding a fairly positive light on the drag community. I think that there's a lot of um, people like um, Bob, the drag queen who are on shows like we're here on, I believe, HBO. Um, And like people like I, I specifically like Bob, the drag queen. I think he does a great job kind of being a voice for the community and speaking out for people that like of, all queer people not just his not just gay people not just like I feel like he does a good job of like involving everybody in the community um I'm like that there's probably more people just I don't know off the top of my head
0: what's kind of nice is something that I've noticed in the last I don't know five ten years is that more and more in Hollywood um Queer people are representing themselves. So, like if there's if a movie is or TV or things like that come out in the media for like the first time that I can recall, I'm seeing actual queer people being able to represent queer people instead of like, you know, straight, white, privilege, or anything <laughs> like that playing a gay person. No, they have or playing a queer person, any kind of queer. They are finally being more inclusive in Hollywood, not, I mean, there's still a a long way to go, but it's getting more inclusive. Um, Even the first one of the roles, and I'm actually going to use a quote by this actress in a future episode, but Laverne Cox, when Laverne Cox in Orange is the New Black got to portray themselves, not themselves, but like their character was a trans individual, and they got, as a trans woman, got to play a trans woman, and I felt like that was very powerful and very, very, a big, important thing.
1: Yeah, I've heard, um, there's another drag queen named Willem Belli, um, and I, they were on a lot of television um from the time they were 17 till now uh recently they were in a star is born with lady gaga um, so that might be somewhere people would recognize them from but i remember hearing them talk about how in the earlier days like a lot of times they'd be cast in roles like on law and order svu or something or like a crime show and they weren't specifically trans but they were being cast as a trans role because they were a drag queen and so, like, now, and they were reflecting on it because they're, like, now, luckily, the landscape is changing so that actual trans people are getting these roles. Um, and, like, and then A Star is Born, she was playing a drag queen and not a trans person. And so it's cool to kind of, like, it stinks that the past was so unaccepting and so like unwilling to let these people portray themselves, but I'm glad that we're kind of going in a direction to where they, everyone's getting representation in the media. Um, but I also will defend Stanley Tucci and um, Devil Wears Prada till the day I die. Um, that's a casting <laughs> that while maybe not would happen today, I still love. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm not saying that everybody in the past did a bad job at their roles but, or that they were poor actors. I am just saying that I, it gives me, I don't know, hope or it makes me feel happy that people are able to represent themselves in the media or see themselves in the media and that actual, actually represented. It. That's, it's a powerful thing. And I'm really grateful to all the people who are members of the queer community who are brave enough from clear back in the day to stand up and be who they were and to start that representation. Cause if you think about when RuPaul got famous, that was a long time ago when RuPaul started showing up and getting famous. And I mean, only in the last few years with RuPaul's drag show that I feel like they've gotten huge, but that was a long way coming. Like that was, they put in a lot of footwork for that to happen. And then because of that footwork now, there's, I feel like there's a lot more acceptance and yeah. understanding.
1: Like, I could criticize RuPaul a lot, but I will never diminish what he's done for the queer community. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he was coming up in the, like, 80s, and then I think n- the early 90s is when Supermodel came out. Like, I think it was 91... Somewhere between 1991 and 1994, sometime in that time sphere. And that was, like, monumental. It was the first time I believe a drag queen had ever charted on the billboard charts. It was representation with, I believe, like, a lot of the supermodels of the time were in that video. It was getting played. Heck, it's even played in the Lizzie McGuire movie. 2004. (laughs) It's a cover, a really bad cover, but it's played in that movie. And so I feel like RuPaul, and that was a Disney movie at the time. So like, I feel like it broke a lot of, or he himself broke a lot of boundaries.
0: Yes. And I like, I like that people are doing it and that they're getting out there. And I like that people in Hollywood are giving them a chance to, Mm -hmm. I, I am not in the know enough to tell you like who, cast laverne cox in orange is the new black i can't tell you i don't know i'd have to like research it but hats off to them for having that vision and making it happen and other other queer people in that show as well that are representing their own demographic and i it's it really is a fantastic thing that i mean it has to be good it has to be good for young queer humans to see themselves represented in the media just like it's good for other humans and other demographics to see themselves finally being represented in the media.
1: I know I'm very happy that we're moving, or hopefully moving away from the whitewashing of every single thing in Hollywood. Because that's, yeah, that's been happening for far too long.
0: Since the beginning. <laughs> and it's, it's, a really... I think it's going in a good direction. I hope, I hope people can take it and accept it with love and with understanding and knowing that every single type of person, every demographic deserves to see themselves represented, to know that they are a value too, you know, mm-hmm. I
1: love for it. For sure. I'm very excited for the new Little Mermaid movie. Yes. I, I am... I'm hopeful. I have a baby sister who's three now. We're Aww. 20 years apart. And I'm excited to take her to see that.
0: Oh, that'll be precious. <laughs> that's so cute. My babies are not that young. My babies are <laughs> 10, 12, and 15. But I'm excited to take them.
1: <laughs> no, that's... Uh, it's going to be so good. I'm just very excited.
0: <laughs> it's and especially be because
1: it's such a beloved movie. Like, I I even saw I saw a video on TikTok the other day where it's the original Mer the original Little Mermaid. And she ran into this little girl who had a Little Mermaid doll with her. And she, and it was like a new version of a Little Mermaid doll. And she like took a picture with them and like the mom started crying because she recognized the OG. And like, it was just a really touching moment to kind of see new generations embrace such a beloved s- story and to kind of see what it means to other communities.
0: Yes, so good. I loved it when they are, when they first released the trailer and all those videos were flooding social media of little girls watching and seeing the trailer for the first time and like especially little black girls seeing for the first time that the little mermaid was black and like their their faces like what? And then they I it was I mean, it was moving, but it was Very good, and Jodie Benson, I think, was the original Little Mermaid, and Mm -hmm. I'm glad to know that she was like supportive and like you know good about. I mean, I I I can't imagine why somebody would not be, but everybody's different.
1: (laughs) I remember being from the south, seeing a lot of discourse on the Facebook (laughs) uh, (laughs) when it first came out, and I don't know, it was just very odd to me. People in the South can be very odd about things like that.
0: I think they feel, I think that they feel threatened. I think a lot of the negativity that comes and the confusion and the, they feel threatened. Like they feel like, like it's a big pie. And if other people take pieces and they don't get as much or something like that, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what it is.
1: But hopefully, well, they'll get over it.
0: <laughs> I hope so too. Because the world will just be so much better if we can all get over it. If we can all live like Garth Brooks said mm-hmm. that we will all be free when people are free to love who they love. When people are free to believe what they believe, you know, then we shall be free.
1: Until then, they're chained to their own ideologies and their own closed-mindedness closed-mindedness is a prison mm-hmm. until you open your mind you will be stuck there
0: yeah and, that you, and it's hard because you like you keep yourself trapped in a prison that you don't even realize that you're in right mm-hmm. but when you can break out of it then you're all of a sudden like this whole world opens up to you and you're like oh my gosh it's this place is amazing world. yes <laughs> oh no let's let's not start the musical because i will go <laughs> f- forever with the musical i live in a musical all right the last one of the very last things i always like to ask is if you have the attention of the whole world we pretend that i have a wildly popular podcast that the whole world (laughs) listens to and you have the attention of the whole world for two minutes what are the three takeaways you want them to have from this conversation Um, give us the three takeaways you would want anyone who listens to this to take away from this conversation
1: Yeah, uh, so the first one, I think, would just be spread love. I think that no matter what you're doing, spread love. Um, I think the next one would be just to give yourself grace. I think that's so important. We're so hard on ourselves as people. And spread the love that you want to spread to others, to yourself. Um, Because a lot of times we're so busy spreading love to others that we forget that we need love, too. And the best place for us to get love is to not seek outside validation, but to find it within ourselves. Uh, And then my third takeaway would probably be. um, I think it's important to support support the change you want to see. I think that, um, like, as queer people and just everyone else in general are getting more support in the mainstream media. I think it's so important to go out and support those projects to go out and support queer individuals to go out and support other minorities as well and just show the world that this is what we want to see. We want to see more of this Um, because numbers don't lie, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, So the more we support things, the more change we're going to see.
0: I like those. I think they're all very. Astute? Is that the correct term? I think that they are. I think that they're all true. Did you give me all three? Yeah. Yeah. Just making sure. (laughs) All right. At the end of every episode, I have um, a tradition that I like to do with my interviewees, my guests. And I have you guys put your hands on your chest and repeat after me.
1: I will be going this way because my desk setup was not working
0: (laughs) all right repeat after me andrew i matter i matter i am love and i
1: am a mess i am (laughs) love
0: (laughs) i am enough
1: i am having technical difficulties but i'm still enough
0: Yes, you're always (laughs) enough well thank you so so much for coming on and being a part of this show and for being a part of my pride month series and for representing queer youth and I appreciate it so much and I look forward to seeing you when you need to get out of Wilmington for a weekend you just come hang out with me
1: (laughs) perfect
0: all right, no, thank, thank you,
1: you so much for having me. I just wanna take my time and say thank you for what you're doing and for the message you're spreading. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for shining a light on queer people and on queer topics. I think that's visibility is so important. And I think that the message you're spreading is so important and I just, I appreciate you doing it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Hey, take care, Andrew. And again, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you, bye. Bye.